0: Welcome to Project Comedy, a podcast by and for military veterans doing stand-up comedy, turning military banter into quality stand-up comedy acts. We might be veterans, but our comedy aims to get everybody laughing. Comedy was so much funnier when we were young. We need to reclaim the humour of a more innocent age, because nothing says family entertainment better than wall-to-wall racism Blanket misogyny, white men in dinner jackets doing blackface, 30 minutes of Englishman, Irishman and Scotsman gags, and an honest belief that the N-word is a term of endearment, not a racial slur. Let's be honest. A lot of comedy hasn't aged well. But it's also more than true that there were some amazing acts and shows that could be relevant today. In fact, shouldn't we bring back some of those styles, formats and shows? So what's worth revisiting from the past? and potentially giving it an update and bringing it to a modern audience. Equally, what should we avoid at all costs and leave to rot in the comedy dungeons? To determine if nostalgia is nothing more than rose-tinted glasses, or if there's something worthwhile in the past, I'm joined by Gabriel Pass Me My Shoulder Pads Murphy, and I'm Jay Operation U-Tree, want to interview me because I was a kid in the 1970s for no other reason saunders. Hi, guys.
1: Awesome. I like how I'm the shoulder pad one.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was dynasty.
0: <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about this when we, we came up with the topic for tonight, comparing old and new. And um, I remember something. It's going to sound like a non-secretary, but I remember when I joined up and I was doing my basic training. Um, I was really lucky that I had a really, really wise divisional officer. And, um, He told me that at the training establishment I was doing my basic at. He said, "This place is full of dyers and flyers, and that's really, really useful." He said, "What you've got to do is learn how to copy the best from the best and avoid the worst of the worst." And I've sort of taken that across into my comedy now. And um, Jay Sodergaard said to us when we did our basic training, uh, our uh, our beginners course. He said, "I'm going to ruin comedy for you because you're going to be able to understand how acts work and." That's sort of true, because now when I look at comics, I go, that's why you're good, or that's why you're bad. But you can actually look at comics throughout the ages, can't you, and see why they were good back then, and if it would still be relevant today. Do you you think that's
1: true? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, um, everything everything kind of flows along with a, a general consensus of whatever is happening on in the world at that time, so you know like back in the day when like the whole thing was like the women coming out of the woodwork and lift. so it was like yeah. you know women were getting the rights and women were doing more powerful things and they weren't just people who you know washed the front step and did the dishes and the high heels and all that sort of stuff you know they actually had some contribution to stuff granted not much but you know
0: <laughs> I, I go back to when I was a kid and obviously, and obviously you're that much, much younger than me um, did you ever hear of a, um, a TV series called The Comedians I heard of it yeah
1: I didn't see any of it. and, and I
0: looked it. back to well I ended up doing a look up of it and you know who were the comedians that were on it and there's not a single female not a no. single female that I could find that performed in The Comedians and this was the day of you know, stand-up comics, all wore dinner jackets with roughly shirts and what have you, stood there with a microphone and just told gags. But it was every single act was a, was, was a male, not a single female there.
1: But there wouldn't have been a disabled one either. Or an or ethnic background. Or another one for there another was, ethnic there were
0: background. Two black guys. There were two black guys on the circuit, but that was their entire thing, Is was about them being black. And it was my mate. It wouldn't stand today. It was sort of like it was almost like they were apologising for being black, or oh yeah, my food's too spicy for you guys. It, it's, it's cringeworthy to look at a lot of it.
1: It's it's so it's so funny to think about, like you know, and you got to think of like some of the acts that have transitioned from back in the day to to now, like Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy and his stand up. where, yeah, you know, he's he's gone all the way, and it's you know, he's gotten into the films and it's it's weird how he's kind of doing the same
0: thing, but in a more politically correct way. Now. I, I think that's the difference between if I go back to the 70s and 80s, America was far more progressive uh, with comedy than the UK ever was. We only became progressive with what they ended up terming alternative comedians. And yeah. when I say alternative, the only difference was they weren't wearing dinner jackets and they hadn't all come from doing out. working men's clubs, but the <laughs> American of comics out. were. <laughs> yeah. I've made a little list of some comics from yesteryear um, that I thought were class acts, and I'm sure you can add to it, um, but guys that I think have skills that we still would find relevant today and actually some of their skills and some of their comedy um, Maybe we should be emulating today, and I, so that little list I've made is yeah. um, Bob Monkhouse, yeah, Dave Allen, yeah, Jasper Carrot.
1: he's still touring,
0: uh, still touring, Uh Brian Connolly, Freddie Starr, yeah, and all for different reasons. All for different reasons. I mean, in the in the sort of Brian Connolly
1: and Freddie Starr sort of realms of world, you've you've still got the the comedians who sing. As well, you know, like like Bo Burnham's now, you know it's yeah, you know it's it's still it's still a thing, but obviously they weren't, you know, they're not doing the types of shows that they would where they were very. But that's solid. why
0: Brian, that's why Brian Connolly and Freddie Starr were, were really great on the circuit for their time because yeah. they were controlled chaos. That was what made them funny. It was it was still family entertainment, but it was controlled chaos on the stage. You didn't know what they were going to do next.
1: The 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 saddest thing about it for me is that you could turn around to a, to an audience and say it's a puppet, and people only half yeah. the people will get it.
0: Yeah, that was absolute genius. You know, with that crossover to you know, actually bringing in cultural references that were appropriate to the younger generation. He was one of the first guys to do it. All the others were only trying to make the parents laugh, mm. but Brian was bringing in kids' culture to actually make it true family entertainment and you know, to be emulating Philip Schofield in the broom closet and it's a puppet was it's just a, a genius th- moment. Actually, the kids in the room need entertaining as well.
1: I always thought he was Pat Char, Nick Frisbee. Well, he
0: he, he just
1: thought the Brian was Pat completely completely looked like him. You know, no, no, when he, when he did Nick Frisbee, it, the first time I saw him, I thought it was Pat Sharr.
0: Yeah. And, uh, but Freddie... Freddie, he appealed to the kids as well because he was it was that element of slapstick and chaos yeah. in there that that was going to make the kids laugh. When but he was, he was um, also a very talented musician and singer.
1: Yeah. It, I think my, the funniest bit was when he was doing um, lip singing, lip syncing and um, yeah. the, the tape kept on speeding up
0: and slowing down. Oh, God, that was the stretch tape cassette. Oh, God, that was brilliant. Oh, uh, it's just, gas. I mean,
1: but like
0: I said, you know, no one will be able to do that now. You know, there was, there was one comic, I can't remember, he was quite a mature bloke, but his entire thing was the microphone didn't work properly. So you would miss every bit of uh, uh, He basically sounded like my internet connection whenever we recorded. <laughs> that
1: sounds great.
0: <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Bob Monkhouse. I'm a yeah. huge fan of Bob Monkhouse because people will turn around today and go, right, who are the hardest working comedians on the circuit at the moment? And they'll instantly say Jimmy Carr because the yeah. amount of work he puts into it. Bob was the workhorse. horse. He was the man that every day he had to write, You know, he had his legendary gag books and what have you. Yeah. And unfortunately, he got hard with this, this um, reputation for being a quiz show host and being too polished and what have you. But that wasn't his true stand-up comedy. He was, I mean, if you've ever watched that BBC One yeah, documentary about his last ever gig, he was just, what a, what a comedian, what a writer. Is that
1: his level of innuendo
0: is really well Oh God, the stuff he could come out with would be considered massively blue if he had actually said what a modern comedian would say. It was just beautiful.
1: It's, it's funny as well, like, you know, especially I just had a massive flashback there to me, mum, and me, nan, and, that. and like, you know, he's saying, like, oh, he's, he's so blue. But then someone like Bob Monkhouse would come on and he'd say pretty much exactly a really blue line. But they'd be pissing exactly. themselves off, and it's just like, I'm not fucking doing Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, on?
0: another, one that was, another one that's brilliant for it um, uh, Barry Cryer. That man. Had a way with innuendo. Do you know Barry at all?
1: Not personally, no.
0: um, (laughs) So he he was massively on the scene with um, outside of You could almost call him the um, the fourth goody. So prior to the goodies, there was um, sorry, I haven't a clue. Before that was sorry, I'll say that I'll I'll say that again. Uh, And they all used to be in Barry's Barry's blue humor was outstanding. One of my favourite gags I heard of him tell um, my uh, my former mother-in-law she went to university with him and uh, he used to perform at the jazz club and he'd just sing some songs but drop in blue innuendos so one time he was singing I wonder who's kissing her now and then paused and went but has anybody ever asked the question where her now is? <laughs> And it's just sort of like, my God, how blue is that when you actually take it into context? It that's intelligent humor.
1: But it it just makes me laugh, like the, the, the double standards of it. It's like, oh yeah, you can you can innuendo at it and that's hilarious. But if you actually say what's going on, that's just rude.
0: Jimmy Carr will say, Yes, um, I was playing with my tummy banana, and apparently that's filthy. Yeah me and the missus were having relations is okay because it's being told by a comic of 20 years beforehand. Yeah, it doesn't
1: matter. I don't don't get how people can get so worked up about certain words. I mean, obviously, like, you know, throwing up ass, cunt, shit, and everything. But, I mean, what are you meant to do? Stand there and just go poop it. It's just like, yeah, Yeah, nice one, I'm 40. (laughs) Um,
0: What one of the guys I mentioned before, I'm—I'm I'm gonna guess you're a fan of, but the legend that was Dave Allen, because that guy oh, broke yeah. so many barriers, but he had to come to England to break those barriers.
1: Oh, um, um, I mean, I, I, I love anyone anyone that'll smash through the fence that everyone else is sitting on. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of.
0: <laughs> I, I love the way that he would, because you know. Uh, it's like when uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we were doing the podcast, you asked me to um, look up the sex education videos from Ireland. Yeah. Oh my God, mate, I looked at that. Together. I'm there going, you need to do a routine about that because it's absolutely hysterical. <laughs> but there he was 40 years ago, telling jokes about the Roman Catholic faith.
1: Yeah.
0: My God, he must, have been, he must have been hated by so many sectors of the Republic of Ireland. For daring to take the piss out of the shepherd's crook in a priest's sand, a bishop's he was, but then he finished the show with, and may your god go with you. It was just yeah. genius what he did.
1: Oh, it's just brilliant! I, I love all that. Shows.
0: One that I think is understated, you know, and we should go back and look at what he did. Um, is Jasper Carrot because Jasper Carrot, I'm going to be technical about this, he wasn't a stand up comedian, no, he was a stone comedian. I remember Definitely. seeing him in the early 80s perform at, oh, it was in Bristol. I'm trying to remember the name of the venue. It'll come back to me at some point. For the entire show, two hour show, he sat on a bar stool in the middle of the stage and didn't leave it once. And I remember hurting myself laughing. He wasn't using body language or anything like that. It was all about his tone his attitudes and his facial expressions was enough to make a room fall apart laughing.
1: His, his level of storytelling was just... Oh!
0: oh and, and, bringing, and bringing in random things like um, he got so famous for the, um, the insurance claims. What people have put on in, uh, our car insurance claim for yeah. us. I pulled I into the one. wrong driveway and collided with a tree I haven't got.
1: Yeah. What was the um? What was the big one? Um, was it an Australian fella or something like that? He said uh, I saw a, I saw a sad, sad, deprived woman's face bouncing, bouncing off the roof of my car. Or yeah, but, uh,
0: oh, and another one that's just come to mind, mate. Another one that's just come to mind. Um, Les Dawson. Yeah. What an all rounder. I mean, let's let's not just. Talk about the humour and what have you. The piano playing. Mm -hmm. To play a piano that badly meant he had to have such a serious, beautiful talent as a musician to make the piano that bad.
1: Well, even even as well, if we're going into doing all the things of, doing things like
0: bad, you know, Russ Abbott. Oh, Russ. He used to, well, I, I used to live in a place called Caution. Um, he lived just outside of the village the town I lived in, in a place called Skidpan. He was our legend that we, we live close to Russ Abbott. Russ Abbott's madhouse was up. I mean, that um the um uh the rocker character he used to do with the ridiculously long quiff and what have you in the in the teddy boy suit. The man was a genius. And you look at the other comedians that came from his madhouse. Like Les Dennis and what have you, he brought an entire era of comedians to the stage. Yeah, and then and um, what was the name of the large lady Bella, Bella something that used to do Blunder Woman.
1: Don't know, don't know.
0: Um, and
1: then you got um, like you know people who play the piano and stuff like that. Every single
0: time someone says comedian who plays the piano, I think Victoria would. Oh God, um, another pianist. Um, yeah, Dudley Moore, yeah, Dudley Moore, amazing with the piano, the, the uh, the never ending um uh, ending, yeah. Um, because when he was doing Pete and Dud, oh my god, that was just again, Gene, that was that's something that is still relevant today, I think, in Double Acts, and we'll talk oh. about Double Acts again. The point of Pete and Dud was trying to make the other one uh, corpse, was trying to make the other person laugh, and that was yeah. what their humor was all about,
1: and um. Uh, who who did the who was the Australian Australian fella all the best possible taste fucking swinging his leg? Oh legroom.
0: no, it was Um, you you were talking Kenny Everett. Kenny Everett, yeah, I loved him. He was fucking fantastic. He was direct opposites. He was hated by, by so many people hmm. for two facts. One, because he was a closet head, heterose- uh, closet homosexual. Never talked was it? about it. sexuality. <laughs> For many years he won. <laughs> for many years. Um, but it was also the fact that he was a massive conservative supporter. Yeah. So he was sort of like, he was the rally guy for the young conservatives. And it's sort of like, well, how can he be gay and a conservative at the same time?
1: Uh, it's just he was,
0: he was just, okay, let's, let's go to the, um, the negative spectrum then. Let's go back to some of the acts that didn't age well. Um, <laughs> I, I put down three. Yeah. And having having looked over the statistics for our listeners, I think I'm going to make some people I'm unhappy with the first two people. Well, all three of these I'm going to mention because we do have a, a, we have got quite a demographic of you listeners that are over the age of sixty. Um, I'm going to turn <laughs> around and they just they haven't aged well at all. Jim Davidson, Bernard Manning, Roy Chubby Brown.
1: Yeah,
0: I know they're of different eras. And I don't think their comedy stands the test of time. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't think it does. But then, you know, like, like on this sort of platform, just like on how many other platforms and so many other people, you know, there's other things that aren't going to stand the test of time. You know, and you've either got to kind of roll with it and, and adapt to the times and the changes or accept that you're a part of a dying breed
0: and you're gone. I mean, um, and I've got a reason. I've got a reason why I don't think they don't stand the test of time for each one of them. I've, I've, let's take <clears throat> Bernard as the first one. Mm. Um, Bernard, basically, you look back at it now, and it was straightforward racism. Totally. It was. Yeah. I am ta- I'm taking the piss out of these people because I don't like them. Yeah. They're not white. They're not Anglo-Saxon. I mean, for He didn't like the Welsh, he didn't like the Scots, he didn't like the Irish. If you weren't English, he didn't like you, and he's just going to rip the piss. I'm not going to say the same thing about Jim Davidson. Jim was, and I think still is, he was more casual racism. Uh, Yeah. um, it It was of an era of the But the problem with what he was doing was... He was trying to be, super- so his character is like Chalky White. Chalky White was thick. He was an idiot. He was, you know, white people are superior to these inferior, thick black people. And, and that's why Jim isn't relevant today because he's not willing to turn around and go, do you know what, that's a, that's a really stupid stereotype. Yeah. I wouldn't do that stuff today. He's trying to defend yeah, what yeah. he did back then. And that's but- not excusable. That's not a decent excuse.
1: I think he's. I think he's of that error of I'm not racist, but error, yes.
0: you know, um, like my. Don't look my, now, but there's somebody that's not white in the corner.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like my 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 mother comes out with some of the best lines that I've ever read in my life.
0: Like,
1: um, she still calls like black people. She still calls them coloured people and stuff oh, like that. Oh, that was my it's,
0: mother. That was my mother.
1: Yeah, and um, yeah, because she worries that because call, calling people black is. Being racist. (laughs) I I remember (laughs) when,
0: in my mum's last months, uh, she spent a lot of time having chemotherapy and what have you, and she had the most amazing nurse, lovely, lovely lady by uh, called Adele. Um, She was West African descent. Mm. Mum called her Blossom, and I turned round to her, and I was a serving lieutenant commander when this happened. You know, I was going into the hospital ward wearing my uniform I'm like mum why are you calling her a blossom she went oh I'll never be able to pronounce her name what her name's Adele <laughs> and she went yeah it's not an English name is it <laughs> and it's just sort of like do you realize that that's racist mum she went oh I didn't call her black she's a lovely colored lady and it's all sort of like what color is she mum is she green with polka dots no, she just happens to be black, and she just. But it she she's.
1: It, amaz- it, it amazes me because I've only, I've only, I've been on the the bad end of racism like once, and and I've witnessed like the bad end of racism through like some of the, the my friends that I have. I've I've witnessed it like a couple of times, and I find it so bizarre that it still happens. But any time that I hear of something racist, I just can't help but fucking piss myself laughing because it's so obscene. It's just unbelievable
0: that it can still happen. To like, the it, that- that's one of the reasons... It's one of the reasons I love Reginald D. Hunter. I yeah. think he's an absolute genius to be deep sized black American comedian and then he puts makes you see racism through a different lens when he turns around and goes you english you brits are rubbish at racism G- ginger isn't a race
1: yeah
0: <laughs> gingers are not a race but you are ruder to ginger people than you are to black asians orientals blah blah and it's suddenly a fucking yeah. hell i know well you've got a ginger one in your house mate.
1: <clears throat> yeah i'll send her to live with him for a
0: fucking a day an hour <laughs> An hour and he'll
1: hate gingers.
0: <laughs> and, and, and I'll finish off with why why I you know I think Roy Chubby Brown doesn't. Um he's yeah. no longer it's because he was pure crude. There was no intelligence about it. It's let's be as crude as I possibly can.
1: I think he's a he's a mixture of the the, the crude and bigotry and sexist kind of realms of life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that he had going for him was, was the self-deprecation side of life. You know, because he, he admitted he was fat and, and he was a wanker, so...
0: And let's be honest, um, we turn right to Bernard and Roy Chubby Brown, these were not good-looking fellas. No. I mean, if they, were on, if they were on the comedy circuit today, we'd be there going, you ugly cunt.
1: I mean, I <laughs> for, me, for me to turn around and say someone's ugly,
0: that's a fucking statement. Fucking hell, mate. You know how terminally single I am. Oh, I am better looking than both of those bastards.
1: Mate, them them fellas made me feel like a Chris Hemsworth and Jason Momoa and fucking
0: I mean, Brad Pitt I, and everyone
1: about,
0: else was dead I'm, I'm thinking about writing a routine about white racists from the UK or from the foreign, you know, of, of the British Isles I'm sorry, I'm going to include the Republican in the British Isles. Sorry, mate.
1: But uh, I'll, I'll why, is it, this time.
0: <laughs> why is it there are a couple of chromosomes short of the full package? I mean, why is it that these people that proclaim that white people, Anglo-Saxons are better? Nick fucking Griffin of the BNP looks like he was involved in a house fire at birth. He is not what we're going to call Aryan perfection. Why are all these fucking racist deformed motherfuckers?
1: I just love how everyone who's like, who's got this thing of like, oh, uh, we are more superior. I mean, I'm fairly sure that like, every single person has their own unique traits. So, you know, they're clearly not superior. Like no one, no one particular race can say, apart from the Chinese being good at maths,
0: I, I don't, don't, don't insult our future overlords there are far more of them than there are of us and I'm fairly sure they're in behind the algorithms of this podcast they'll decide where <laughs> we're allowed to be broadcast So, well, the I've, other
1: got, thing I've got I've the been, Americans after me I might as well get the fucking
0: Chinese after me as well <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had a Chinese listener yet we haven't had a Chinese listener yet I think the firewall's too intact they know about you and I mate and we say <laughs> cunt too often it doesn't translate into Chinese well <laughs>
1: you imagine the Chinese symbol for content?
0: I know what the British Sign Language is for it, but uh, and that doesn't work on radio or podcasts, but anyway. The other thing I was looking at, mate, was when I was looking back, when we came up with this topic, was um, 70s and 80s seem to have been... The 70s and 80s were the highlight of it for, for me that I can think of, but it went on before, and it seems to be irrelevant today. Mm. But they were the era of the double act. Definitely. You look back, and again, I've made a big list. Um, uh, so let's go through a couple of them. Yeah, some are legendary. couple you might not have heard of, mate, so let me know if you've not oh. heard of them. Obviously, uh, Morecambe and Wise. Oh,
1: definitely.
0: The two Ronnies. Yeah. Little and Large. Yeah. Uh, Cannon and Ball. Hale and Pace. Hinge and oh. Bracket. Ever heard of Hinge and Bracket? Uh, no. Drag act. they pretended to be sort of like they used to do uh, loads of operettas, but they were a dragant um, going through. Smith and Jones, yeah. French and Saunders, Cry and Laurie, yeah. Newman and Badil, Reeves and Mortimer. Today, we've got Anton and Deck, and they're not fucking comedians. They're <laughs> just shit. This is Can the you thing. Man, about like, any A or B list comedy, you know, comedy duos at the moment? Because like, I've been racking my brains and I can't think of a double act. No,
1: no, not not in nowadays, you know, not 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 in nowadays. realms. but like I, I love how I love how Ant and Dec are trying the hardest to bring back that era of they were this like. Multi-platform people where they can act and they can dance. You know, they can dance and they can present and they can joke and. But, they can't. but
0: they can't. the only thing Anton Deck can do is present and be cheeky yeah. chappies, cheeky Newcastle boys. That is their only selling point. They're cheeky Newcastle boys that are good at fronting a show. Yeah, they're not comedians. They're not entertainers. They're not singers. They're not dancers, but they're a company. Pair of comfortable faces on the TV, Dick and Dom, or a sort of like you know a B-list version. Yeah, but I'd I think they were say the... Dick and Dom have got more talent.
1: I think they were the, the I think they were the closest thing to what we what we would think of good. I mean, Chuckle Brothers, obviously one of them around. Were, yeah,
0: and I, I love the Chuckle Brothers. I thought they were geniuses, but they were they weren't family entertainers. They were aimed at kids purely, yeah, yeah. weren't they? And they. And and looking at their aesthetics, I mean we were talking about ugly bastards. My God, what who would who would employ them for a children's birthday party? They look like a pair of nonces. I know it's they just, weren't, but that's where they looked.
1: It must be hard for the fellow who's still around now just going to me. To me. <laughs>
0: to me. <laughs> to, to me. <laughs> Why are we resisting <laughs> dark humor again? <laughs> it's
1: just the, the most, the most depressing show of him just crying on the stage, and every now and then just going to me, to me. Someone say to you,
0: <laughs> I go back over that list, and the first four of them are what I would call the 1970s, early 80s stereotype of the double act. When I say oh, yeah. Morkham and White Roy, rise. Uh, little and Large, Cannon and Ball. It was the straight man and the funny man. Yeah. Which I don't think is relevant anymore because nobody... Who would want to play the straight man in a comedy duo these days?
1: Um, I don't think anybody wants to be a straight man these days. I mean, it's sort of like... Bernie <laughs> wise. You missed. You completely right. missed that line, didn't you? Go on, say it again. I said, no, I don't
0: think anybody actually wants to be... A straight man these days mate i've been rejected by both genders i can't be a straight man <laughs> or a gay man nobody <laughs> wants to touch this pair of balls i'll tell you <laughs> and,
1: and the bisexual equivalent of
0: being able to do fucking nothing with I, I i've told this gag on the podcast before and i swear it's a true story i've got a couple of gay mates that live in the marina and they put me on grinder they took some of my profile pictures and put me on grinder and I didn't even get a match on grinder. I am that repulsive to both genders. Not even gay men want me. They've got more taste than wanting this sad act. <laughs> but it's um, the two Ronnies, though, two Ronnies were a break from that. There wasn't a straight man there.
1: No, I, I loved the two Ronnies. How, the chemistry that them two had together, that's un, unmatchable in my eyes, because how they were... And-
0: I think that was, it's a sort of like an unfair comedy duo to look at because we know that uh, Ronnie Corbett, brilliant, brilliant comedian, Ronnie Barker was the writer. The fact that he even used to write sketches under a pseudonym and not even Ronnie Corbett knew the pseudonym that he yeah. was writing under. Um, I will recommend this to any listener. Um, uh there's a book called, uh, Everything I Wrote. And it is every sketch that Ronnie Barker wrote under his own name and his pseudonym. And that, including four candles, um, and just reading them off the page. It's as funny as watching it. The guy knew how to write on paper, something that's funny, it, it, it's as funny on the paper as it is being performed. It's genius.
1: But them them guys like they they were able to do quite a lot, like because obviously the sketch sketches like remember the worm.
0: Oh God, yes, the worm that turned.
1: Yeah, the worm that turned. That was it. That was that was fucking brilliant, and it was that that in its way is sexism working right, you know? And it's like how that can be funny even in today's standards, and I- yet.
0: I'm going to get the name of it wrong. There was an amazing movie um, starring John Travolta. I think it was called White Man's Prejudice. I, I'll have to look it up and I'll put it on the Twitter channel when it comes up. But it's, um, it, 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 you're absolutely right about the worm that turned. It's sort yeah. of like turning sexism on its head. Um, it's an amazing movie starring John Travolta, but where the whites are the minority yeah. in America. And they are being treated to a lesser degree the way that blacks were being treated yes. in the in the sixties and seventies, and it's eye opening. Mm. But it, they, you know, the Ronnies were able to turn radio, you know, uh, burn your jockstraps mm. <laughs> uh, rather than burn your bras. It was there was you know there was something educational and, and pushing about it. Yeah. But here's one I don't like. Here's one I don't like from that era. And I know people are going to hate me for it, but uh, Benny Hill. I never found Benny Hill funny. Uh,
1: I think the best thing about Benny Hill was the music.
0: Yakety Sax. Yeah. So, yeah, Chasing Out.
1: <laughs> That'll
0: last for of shit. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ernie, the fastest milkman in the West, maybe that was a good song. That was funny. Uh, but the actual show, was sort of like, I know exactly what's going to happen. This bu- buxom blonde is going to end up in her underwear, and he's going to be chasing her around a field somewhere. Yeah, and that's supposed to be funny. And even as a young boy in the seventies, I didn't find that funny. I'm mean, why?
1: Why it was, is that um, funny? It, it, for me, for me, it, it was the the innuendo without being an innuendo, and it was just yeah. a rude, blatant innuendo. So it was like it was the worst things of saying cunt without saying cunt oh, what
0: was the gag? It was, um I went into the field and there were two baby bull, there were two baby male cows in the f- field. Bullocks. No, I'm fairly sure they were cows. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. <laughs> uh, and it's also interesting to see that, yeah, you know, uh, here are a couple that I, you know, a couple of people that I absolutely adore, uh, a couple of acts that I completely adore. Smith and Jones, uh, Fry and Laurie, Newman and Baddiel, Reeves and Mortimer, but it's ended up that those have ended up going on to post solo careers, where they've become where one has ended up becoming more famous than the other. I absolutely adored. Uh, I, I've got a real thing about Fry and Laurie. I mean, and I understand you yeah. how they got to get know each other at Cambridge and what have you. So Hugh Laurie is now a Hollywood star. He ended up with House and all that sort of stuff. Stephen Fry is Andy,
1: And Andy's quite a talented blues artist, blues. And artist. the man
0: has the never blues. taken a music lesson lesson in his life. I mean that it just makes me sick.
1: <laughs> I hate I hate that I do hate that I genuinely hate that. You know, like, you I know, hate Dave. I hate Dave Grohl. I fucking absolutely love him. Oh. I love him, but his level of talent can go and fuck himself.
0: <laughs> and if any, of our listeners nice. can hear, if any of our listeners can hear grunting in the background, no, I don't have a woman trapped on my boat. That's my assistant's dog getting annoyed that people are moving onto the boat next door. <laughs> if I did have a woman trapped on board this boat, the number you need to call is 999 and report the mad boatman from Gosport. <laughs> <laughs> Newman and Badil. I love Newman and Badil. So Newman yeah. and Baddiel in pieces they had some of the greatest sketches. I think, let's call it what they called it, the alternative comedy scene ever. They were the guys that enabled arena tours of comedy to happen. We would not have arena tours in the UK if it wasn't for Newman and Baddiel. I would love to see Newman back on the circuit. I know he's been very, very, well, like us, psychologically unwell. Um, David Badil, brilliant, brilliant talent, but Rob Newman, I thought, was the talent of the two. Were you were you familiar with what they did?
1: Um, I'm not too hot, I'm, 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 I'm saying that, I, I probably am. I'm just a fucking- The most
0: famous talent. sketch that ended up hitting the popular meme was History Today. So they used to be sat opposite each other, two history professors, and then they just end up taking the piss out of you. Imagine a slum. Whorehouse room where this woman is doing depraved acts from men for money. I can imagine the scene. That's your mum, that is. (laughs) I do
1: remember that, actually, yeah.
0: That was Newman and Badil. (laughs) That was Newman and Badil. Absolutely. And uh, uh, Rob Newman had this Jarvis, me, alone in a dormitory full of pre-pubescent girls. Imagine the shame. (laughs) He was just brilliant for it. Um, the hail and Paces is well... well hail and Pace were brilliant. I I think they're underrated because people said they were too populist, but mm-hmm. it was so fucking funny. I mean, um, Northern Airways, when they did the sketch about, you know, EasyJet and Ryanair were becoming popular, mm-hmm. so they made their own. It's Northern Airways. So you got issued mushy peas instead of a meal. And what have you? <laughs> um... They ended up doing... The, they, up had their own little, they had their own little sitcom of the scousers. That's yeah. where we get the, hey, 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 calm down, calm yeah. down thing from was Hale and Pace. They made that into a popular meme. Which kind of
1: leads you on to the Harry F.
0: and songs as well. Now, Harry was one I was thinking about putting on that list because he's gone from between ensemble cast, duets, because it was, you know, with... Uh, 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 Paul Whitehouse is that yeah. his name? Yeah. Um, but I you always. Wasn't it Linda, Linda Burke as well? Oh God, Linda Burke. When so the teenagers, so uh, Kevin and Perry.
1: Yeah. And the and, slobs.
0: And the slobs. of oh, the slobs. <laughs> oh my God! You've just brought joy back to my heart. Um, <laughs> when the when the slobs had their baby. <laughs> yeah. and, what, and what have you named her? Spudgelika. It's <laughs> exotic. <laughs> <laughs> and people won't remember. There are going to be younger members of this audience won't remember there was a fast food chain store in the UK called Spudgelike. And that's yeah, why she yeah, was
1: called
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: um One of the things that I remember after the Harry Aienfield and Chom Chom was uh, Jürgen the German. Oh, God, yeah. Like, even even though that's technically not racism it's more nationalism I suppose like it's still i think i think that would still hold up now and i think having i know quite a few german people and stuff and i think
0: that they would actually find it quite funny you just made me realize something Mike, because we're talking about the you know just give everybody background on, on the way we run project comedy podcast um, we we think up topics in advance of what we'd like to do, and we're thinking about the next episode being comedy characters, so comedians that present a character on stage. We look at those duets, you know, the, these duos. So many of them had occasional characters that they drop into their shows, yeah. and I've just remembered, you know, with um, Harry Enfield, Tim Nice but Dim. Ah, uh, yeah. Such an amazing character that still has relevance Torrey. today. Sorry, boy. Ooh, lovely chap. Lovely. Um, Paul Whitehouse, the, the bumbling general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lorry load of interesting cheeses. Right? A room full of monkeys and terribly drunk at the time. They had these occasional characters that Remember? they were allowed to play with in that format.
1: I was listening to someone, Mrs. this the other day. Julio Giulio. Oh dude. The uh, Italian fellow who played soccer for Newcastle. Yeah. Danny I
0: don't it's it's flogging me back with um, various <laughs> characters that people have been able to drop in and out because they have that format. Yeah. And that for I, I honestly believe that format should come back to enable comics to have some reach. Oh, but you don't always have to be one person. You can I, just.
1: I, I would love someone to do a, a modern take on Nick Frisbee. Yeah. I'd love someone to do a Nick Frisbee nowadays. That'd be brilliant. Nick Frisbee was the best.
0: It, it was. Uh, I I absolutely adored it because I grew up. I was I was a young adult at the time and I felt ashamed that I used to love watching The Broom Cupboard yeah. with Philip Schofield and um, what was the name? Of the, uh, Gordon the Gopher. Yeah, yeah. And then it was, what's his name? And Ed the Duck. Um, I've forgotten his name now. Curry, Mark Curry. And Ed the Duck. Okay. Um, thank God, kids today, <laughs> <Barker>. thank God <laughs> kids today have got Barker. Thank God kids today have got Barker because Barker's brilliant. Um, there's an Australian one. It's an old Australian one, and he's the rudest little bastard in the world. I love him. Look him up on YouTube. Oh, um, yeah, the little dog fella. Is it the
1: the, the little dog?
0: And and he's with this lovely little blonde lady, and he's rude as fun. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I like him. We're going to pause for a second. I want everybody to now start thinking which bits of that could actually be brought forward. But we're going to take a break for a second. And show you how you could end up joining Project Comedy. Are you a veteran, or even still serving, and think you'd like to give stand-up comedy a go? Then why not join us in Project Comedy? Visit the Project Recce website, that's projectrecce.org, then click on how it works. You'll find a register here button in the Project Comedy section, Fill that in, and the HQ staff will soon get you connected with the Project Comedy community and its weird and wonderful ambassadors. You'll be invited to our green rooms, where if you want it, we can train you in the basics. If not, you can just come along and have a laugh with us and see what we're up to and what it gives us.
1: One of the things I did love about the Harry Enfield Challenge one is when when they did their public service announcement sketches God. L is for labor, L is for life.
0: Women, know your place. Know your place. Here is a thought process going through a man's head. Notice how it's carefully stored. Ladies, (laughs) this is what happens in your brain.
1: Look how ugly she is. (laughs) To think she only did one week of university.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? But that's that's such genius in today's market. This is, it's ripping the piss out of negative stereotypes to go guys it's not okay to do this shit <laughs> yeah, no. absolute genius uh, and some of the some of the ones i want to talk about now mate um comedy ensembles
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: where you end up with a bunch of people together to make comedy uh, uh, there's a couple of others that i could throw into this but my instant hit list of five are the goons yeah monty python the comic strip, the fast show, and goodness gracious me, they show stepping stones to me. So obviously, with the goons, these were all guys that had been demobbed after military service in the Second World War, and they. I'm going to turn around and say this is why I hate the term alternative comedians. The first alternative comedians were the goons. They broke the mold. They were allowed to be chaotic and make fun rather than it being they still use set up some punch lines but it isn't by the old comedy rules of i'm going to say something now and this is the bit you laugh at yeah. the goons because of their chaos and because of their military service and the horrors they had seen they invented new comedy as far as i'm concerned
1: Definitely.
0: and then you go on to the next step where you've got monty python who were trying to rebel against what the goons did and you ended up with with genius like life of brian i still can't believe life of brian got such a negative reaction from from it was banned (laughs) what it was it was banned in um go on what's the oh i'm gonna be hated by many of our listeners now what is the worst city in wales south wales called swansea it was banned (laughs) the worst
1: city in south wales called (laughs)
0: <laughs> all of them? Swansea. It was banned. The f- it was illegal to show the life of Brian in Swansea until the mid-1990s.
1: Right. Being as though you said that now, I want you to tell me a good town in South Wales. Cardiff.
0: Brilliant. Love Cardiff. Really? I really? adore Cardiff. It's a brilliant run ashore. One of the best nights out in the UK. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Oh, mate, I love going out in Cardiff. It's br- it's like Newcastle with more rain. I fucking love Cardiff. Right.
1: The fact that you're comparing it to a place that is just exact same, but with more rain, that's,
0: um, that's yeah, not a good thing. Some of my best nights out have been in Cardiff. It is a place to go for the crack. That it says really- more about
1: your nights out than fucking
0: Cardiff. <laughs> there are, there are certain cities in the UK you go for the crack and it is and I'm English. I, I can't claim the word right. crack.
1: No, uh, yeah. But, I was just about to say that's crack your crack, not my crack. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. uh, <laughs> in the British Isles, the places that I, I if you tell me we're going there for a weekend and I, I can guarantee I'm gonna have a laugh, it's gonna be it's gonna be Cardiff, it's gonna be Newcastle, it's gonna be Belfast, it's gonna be Dublin, it's gonna be Cork. Uh, Brighton um, <laughs> you know, I, I can guarantee I will go there I can go there on my own and have a riot there are certain cities I know right. it's just going to be a laugh
1: Cardiff's not one of them
0: <laughs> Cardiff is right that's it we're going to have to take Project Comedy to Cardiff uh, listeners tweet us if you're in Cardiff you've got a comedy venue we can come down to show this man that he's wrong Cardiff is a cracking Fucking
1: place pay me to go there <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, then it breaks into what they call alternative comedy um, the comic strip Yeah, um, the comic strip let's be honest about it really comic strip existed before but the public didn't know about it um, they'd seen bits of the comic strip um, basically through the male members of the cast being um, the guys that went on to do uh, that made uh the young ones but they hadn't seen the other characters especially the likes of Prince and Saunders. Yeah. The comic strip became popular with the advent of Channel 4. I mean the fact that the the main show on the very first I, I remember watching it. I was a young teenager um and the day channel four started and they're going well oh, brand new we've we've got moved to four channels on television. Yes kids We only had three TV channels when I was a kid. Um, The fourth channel opened, and the first program was fucking Countdown. And I'm there going, what the fuck is this? What the fuck (laughs) is this? But that night, Five Go Mad in Dorset was played that night. And I, I have never laughed so much in my life as watching. And it was so rude. It was so rude, but they could get away with it. It was um, based on uh, Edith Blyton yeah. um, and you, know, Timmy the dog. And at one point, Timmy is licking, licking something and Dawn French is there going, oh, Timmy, I really like it when you lick me there. It's, it's so disgusting to think, <laughs> hang on. It's the first night of a brand new TV channel. We're, we're joking about bestiality already. What the fuck has just happened?
1: Uh, it's a. It was, it was good. It was, it was good. Time for getting into it, though, isn't it? You can imagine, like the nowadays sort of way of getting famous by doing something like that is to be fucking stupid or doing something on the internet, isn't it? So. I mean, I, I, I have
0: been watching it. Obviously, mate, I, I, I'm such a nerd about everything I do, including comedy. And I'm seeing so many stand-ups are making the circuit now because of TikTok and YouTube.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm there going, but you, to me, it doesn't seem right. Maybe I'm too old for it. But it doesn't feel like you're working your bones. And to me, it gives me the fear of, uh, here, let's take a, a so-called, and I'm going to call him a so-called, Stand up t- from today. I don't think he's a stand up. I really don't like the man. Um, Ricky Gervais. Um, I, I I don't think Ricky Gervais is a stand up. He's just somebody that likes belittling other people, and he got a voice through the Office.
1: Uh, see it, uh, See, I, I I like
0: I like some of the stuff he says
1: and some of the stuff he does. That um that series he did Afterlife. That's, like, hit me quite hard, um, and yeah.
0: I, I, like, really, really like it. I, I'm going to be honest about it. I've not watched it, uh, and I've not watched it for reasons of PTSD. Yeah, yeah. The, Like, I can see it being triggering. But yeah. I, I tried The Office. I tried Extras. I tried Derek, and Derek was the one that broke me. It was sort of like, no, this is just cruel. You're mm. trying to pretend it's funny. It's actually fucking cruel. I don't like it. Um, There's something about Ricky I don't like. I would not want to be in the same room as Ricky Gervais because I think I would end up doing Time because I would punch him out.
1: (laughs) I don't think I've ever been that annoyed at someone that I'd want to hit him. Obviously, going going off my aesthetic is uh, quite an alien thing for anyone to think.
0: doesn't, And, and it, as we said in cancel culture, if you like him, love him, go ahead, sure. enjoy him. Um, it just doesn't hit for me. For me, yeah. it's, it, I just find it a, a combination of um, cringe humor, which I, I detest at the best <laughs> of times. Um, but it's also the fact that I find so much of it belittling. I mean, yeah. there was one scene in the office, the, the scene that broke me in the office is when they left the lass in the wheelchair in the stairwell during a fire alarm and i just went that's beyond cruel mm. it, there, there is nothing funny about this at all that you're going to leave a camera on this and, and and that i'm supposed to find that funny there's nothing funny about it in any shape or form you're aware it wasn't a real fire though huh? i like yeah i know but it, <laughs> that hurt. i don't know about you mate I mean, it, for once we're in a podcast and it's only the two PTSD yeah. mentalists in the room <laughs> no. um, but I find since I've you know had my diagnosis of PTSD I've found my empathy level has gone through the roof, I care about other yeah. people ten times more but I care about myself ten times less, so when I see other people being mistreated it hurts me more
1: I uh, I, ag- I agree on that sort of like, uh, you know like my level of care of, of caring about other people has gone through the roof a lot more but then i still equally don't give a shit about people. <laughs> which <laughs> kind Can of says kind of says not... a lot more about where i was
0: before <laughs> okay then in that case i'll change the subject and go back to some of these comedy ensembles then um the two that I adore, two that I adore, because I think they rewrote the the rules in many ways and enabled other things to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one being The Fast Show, the second one being Goodness Gracious Me. Um, The Fast Show for actually having a sketch comedy show where you were allowed to experiment and bring randomness into it. I mean, the character, brilliant, isn't it brilliant? Taking the mickey out of the Benial yeah. or uh dave angel eco warrior that's now a commercial um a jazz club move nice <laughs> uh, <laughs> finding the humor in those things that enabled so many other comedians yeah. to find their place because of the back work that they generated for people and then goodness gracious me i mean who would have my parents yeah thank god my mum's dead thank yeah. god my mum's dead the fact there was an entire series where every member of the cast was asian my mum would never have had that on the telly <laughs> and it's i know it's a cliche now but it was such <laughs> genius writing but going for an english i have <laughs> never <laughs> I, I, I I I was physically hurting laughing. Wait, the only well, the I, only other eight, time that no 16, that. 16 bread rolls and butter.
1: <laughs> what the fuck? The only other time that I can um, I can equate that into a thing is Eddie Murphy doing stand up and he was saying about how um, you know when you order a Chinese. And like, oh, when the it says his back, he's like that. I you to <laughs> and then he's like, "Do you reckon to go to McDonald's?" And then he's like, that, "I'd like a large order fries." look at
0: the look at the list we put together there, goons, Monty Python, comic strip, yeah. fast show. Goodness gracious me! Actually, that's that's enabled the current comedy circuit, but I think it's lost. I think it's lost its roots.
1: Yeah. I mean you you you're looking at the way that they've paved kind of things and then you see how um people kind of ran with it a little bit. So you, you've got you, your man who did Phone Jacker. I I loved yeah. Phone Jacker when it was in and um Dom Jolly Happy TV. Dom Jolly. Dom Jolly, yeah. Uh, Trigger Happy TV. He was brilliant, and what what I liked more about him was the fact that he called time on it before it got dope.
0: Now I'm going to come into this on the next section, mate. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I shit on you. No, no no, 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 no. I'm glad you said it because it gives, gives me a great segue to go into it.
1: And um, I, what was I the other was... for the Dennis Pennis? Do you remember Dennis Pennis? Yes he yes. was amazing and what he did was
0: Demi Moore the line he did to Demi Moore if the role really called for it and it was essential to the plot would you keep your clothes on
1: <laughs> Genie. see I'd, I'd love I'd love for now nowadays for there to be a Dennis Pennis character I mean yeah, you have, um, who's well, your man who's that's in That's sort of uh, been taken over hangover. by
0: things like Borett and Ali G, hasn't it? Yeah,
1: it's- yeah, Borett and Ali G and stuff like that. But I mean, I, the only thing that I can re- recall to sort of Dennis Penis that's happening now is your man who's in the hangover with the beard. Do you yes. know what I mean?
0: Yes, and uh, the interview between two palms.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. only thing that I can equate it to. But the only reason why they go for that is because they know Obviously what we're getting into, and it is a joke. Yes. But with Dennis Penis, he was going through like it really was Gorilla thing. Comedy. Through the, the boat.
0: We'd ever seen Gorilla Comedy.
1: stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, can you imagine if he went up to Amber Heard now and just said, So Amber, do you fancy telling the truth anytime? Soon?
0: Oh mate, I would especially with <laughs> the news that's come out today. Um, uh, so it's gonna be yesterday's news to the rest of you. Um, the fact that um the guy that Boris Johnson appointed to be his standards advisor has now told him why is break you've now got to explain why breaking the law isn't a breach of the ministerial yeah. co- uh, conduct. Fucking I have got a gig tomorrow and I've got to write a gag about it. Isn't I've it? got to write a gag about that. That's <laughs> gonna be fucking brilliant.
1: So you you break the law, grand, and you, you lied about breaking the law, grand. And you lied in Parliament about breaking the law. round, but you didn't break the
0: code. No. No, because I've just changed the rules and minor breaches are no longer suckable offences.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I love how the guy broke the rules of his own
0: rules, but didn't know he broke the rules of his own rules. And then, he, and then when he realised he's broken the rules, he's changed the rules. So he hasn't broken the rules that he broke when he broke them. That he made. He's the bloke that insists that when you're playing Monopoly, that every fine goes under No Parking, and when you land on No Parking, you get the money, which is not a rule in Monopoly. He's just like
1: the Big Brother, isn't it? It's just like, yeah, but that's my toy. No, <laughs> uh, you no, I win. Why? Because I win,
0: right? Shut up. My house, my <laughs> rules. My house, my rules. <laughs> Here's one for you then, mate. Because um, I don't think... no. There's a couple, there are a couple exceptions to this. All right, go on. Sitcoms. Right. Sitcoms seem to have changed dramatically. And I've, I've made a big list here, mate. I made a big list here. <laughs> right. The first one I'm going to say, I'm guaranteeing you won't have heard <laughs> this of. This
1: list is as long as my chain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you ever heard of Rain the Horn?
1: round the horn
0: yeah (laughs) i've got round the horn (laughs) Uh, horn. i'm gonna recommend every one of our listeners especially gabe listen to round the horn um it was i thought uh, i said
1: round the home
0: (laughs) (laughs) it it challenged the it beyond challenged the times um yeah Mr. Horn ran this comedy ensemble, and every week it was a, it was the most popular radio show before TV was big TV and what have you. Um, there was so much homosexuality in it at a time when homosexuality was illegal, it really challenged the time. Um, but let, let's go into the other ones I put here. In, in no particular in order. order in no particular order. Happy days.
1: It was shit. Morgan
0: Mindy. Taxi, The Cosby yeah. Show, Fresh yeah. Prince Fres- yeah. Fres- of Bel-Air, The Death of Du Par, Towers, The Young Ones, and then it's Generations that became Bottom, Blackadder, Father Ted. I can't think of any sitcom that was a- that actually challenges the status quo of the day at the moment. we had sitcoms like, uh, let's take... Uh, um, Lee Max uh, not going out, or uh, Outnumbered, or Josh, or At Home with the uh, Richardsons.
1: Yeah, it's like um, Happy Days was challenging racism. You know, Morgan Mindy was challenging immigration and all that sort of stuff. And it was just like, nothing's... (sighs) Nothing's really happening now, and I think everyone's kind of playing it safe. So it's just like, "Oh, this would be funny, so we'll do that," as I mean, opposed to going down the lines of
0: the two know. of those that are probably the most important to me in my development as a human being are Blackadder and Father Ted. I love um,
1: Blackadder. Yeah,
0: and it's and it, I think it's because of the you know, because of my age. You know we didn't have sky plus we didn't have vcrs and all that sort of stuff at that time you had to be at home to watch that episode and the three that i would make sure i was sat in front of the tv to watch with new episode of the young ones blackadder and father ted that was i got to be there to watch it because not only was it funny but it challenged something in me as well. And it changed my world view. I didn't realise it at the time, but now looking back at it, it changed my world view at the time.
1: And like, if you, if you weren't there, you
0: completely missed it.
1: Like, unless you had one of them fancy recorders, but like, how a lot of people in the modern day world won't get the idea, you know, where you can just pause live TV or record it from, you don't even have to be at home to record it or anything new. Right. In my generation, there was a little box that came up in the top corner, you know, a little black and white stripey zebra box. Telling, telling you the advert was about to start? The advert was about to start, so it was just like right after. All right, and, you, and you'd be, youngest one, which would me, would be like mobilized and on edge to go- Put the kettle on, I'm yeah, going to get, the loop. Yeah, and all that sort of shit ready. You get the biscuits, uh, you know, refresh the biscuits and stuff. And it was just like, you, you don't you know you're born. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, mean, I, was in, I was in sixth fourth for Blackout of the Second, so the Elizabethan era. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, I was in lower sixth at the time, and I remember the day after a Blackadder episode came out, we would be reciting the script to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I bet those fair buttocks have never been put between two splintered planks to save a ship from sinking. And, and it, hey, it he was, was it, yeah. He <laughs> was and of course that, thats the legend that is John Pertwee, Doctor Who. He was my Doctor Who, and he's doing a comedy role. And I, I remember being in—I uh, um, was in my final year yeah. of university for Black of Goes Forth, mm-hmm. and that uh, beautiful stroke, tragic, horrific scene of the guys going over the top. Yeah, to see a sitcom. End that way, mm. the futility of that particular war. I mean, God, let's hope that one of our listeners or one of our veterans or something could actually make a comedy like that about Iraq or Afghan. One... That would be such oh, a fitting yeah. tribute to that. Mm, definitely. I mean, one, all we've um, had one... so far is Gary Tank Commander.
1: <laughs> one, one thing that I think you missed out on the sitcoms there was
0: Red Dwarf. Now, red dwarf, again, a piece of genius. I, I was concerned about what I was writing there. It makes it sound like it's all BBC focused, although lots of these things aren't of, BBC. I,
1: a lot of the, a lot of the comedy stuff was on BBC, though. I think, I think the, the the edges of like, um, Channel Four was very much down the lines of the new age sort of stuff. So, given rise to Chris. Friday
0: Night Live, our version yeah. of
1: Saturday Night Live. Yeah, um, Chris Evans, Friday. Sue, Sue Friday. Parker and just,
0: was it the two Sues? Sue Parker and oh, um, late lunch. So yeah. uh, Sue Perkins and Mel Godrich.
1: That's the one, Sue and Mel. Yeah, Mel and Sue. Um, I'm again sorry, guys. I'm I'm shit with names. And Mel and Sue, if you're listening, I do apologise for fucking up and uh
0: if you're listening mel and sue i love you both and i'm really really annoyed that sue you're a lesbian because you've been my biggest crush for fucking years um i just love those two ladies i think they that they, they, they were the ladies that proved to me that comedy can belong to ladies in their own way i i, I was a look at,
1: look at um jennifer saunders
0: I I have yeah, it. This is a weird crush. It's not a crush because of looks. It's a crush because of personality. Joe Brand. The first time Joe Brand took to the stage, and I just went, "You are something fucking special." That I hey. I would love to go on the piss with Joe Brand for the night. I would I would be the ultimate fanboy. That hey, would Joe Joe funny. Brand Joe Brand would fucking peg the shit out of you. She would kill me. She <laughs> would kill me. But the first time I saw her on Friday Night Live... She would break you like, in half. <laughs> I, I'm looking at Ben Alton going, will you shut the fuck up, you twat? You're annoying the fuck out of me. Um, and Harry Enfield doing loads of money and Stavros, the, uh, Stavros the, um, the kebab shop owner and what have you. Joe came on looking the opposite of... Purposely not looking attractive but her gags were landing and landing and landing. <laughs> and I'm there going, there's something about you, missus. There is something amazing. I am oh, such a fanboy of Joe Brand.
1: I love the, the Saunders and Dean bit where they dressed as fellas near the fat fellas.
0: Oh. And they were just vulgar, it was brilliant, loved it. Here's one for you then, man. a situation comedy of today. Is there a situation comedy today that you watch? I mean, I'm thinking back to my glory. There was beauty there was beauty in comedy back then, sitcoms back then. Here's one for you. The good life. I loved the good life. It was funny, it was charming, it was attractive, it was comfortable. And I'm trying to think of a modern day sitcom, and I can't think of one.
1: No, the only the only things that I watch that were comedy-wise nowadays, I, I like I like Bob's Burgers and I like Archer and I like Rick and Morty.
0: And Family Guy, yeah, the, yeah, the Family Guy things, yeah. but they're 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 cartooned. Yeah, 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 written it's by not, geniuses.
1: No. there's no um, human show that I kind of watch these days.
0: We've got to flip it on its head. Got to flip it on its head to the negative ones that were out there. Uh, one I know I've mentioned before, and I don't know if you will have heard of these three. One. Uh, the f- one I've mentioned before is controversial but the three that I think are just massively negative today and it's because of the bias of the times and they were excused stuff um, Korean Chips ever heard of uh, that one? No Spike Millican, Um let's be honest about it uh, he was very Winston Churchill in his ways he just didn't like anybody from the Asian sub- um, subcontinent uh, love Thy Neighbor, which uh, one. the Americans remade as well, and it was huge over in America, where um, a white family have a black family move next yeah. door. Yeah. So it was awesome, Nignog references. Mm. And another one called Mind Your Language, uh, which was English as a foreign language class. And every one of the foreigners in the room was a stereotype of that nation, so (laughs) bit, 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 bit bit from the Indian fella, the Chinese guy couldn't say ours um it it was (laughs) um, and and if you look at any of the forums because when I was doing the research for the show tonight, um, they also bring in till death do us part or um, in sickness and health into that bracket as well but I disagree with that one um, that was the intent of In Sickness and uh, Till part was to take the piss out of the racists mm. unfortunately they were so subtle about it it gave the racists a justification for mm. their belief Alf Garnett's like allowed to say it so why am I not allowed to say it yeah yeah curry and chips love thy neighbour mind your language they were just fucking horribly racist shows
1: it's just how it it fell short of the mark, isn't it? I mean, you'd you'd like to think that they were written with the best of intentions and stuff. But
0: Here's one for Channel I'll Four, mate. You know, you know what we're talking about. Channel Four, not mm-hmm. necessarily fine. Did you ever watch Smack the Pony?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh my God! What a show! Mm-hmm. An entire female cast with some of the most amazing female talent out there. Yeah. And I've got to admit, yeah, there's another one of my massive crushes, especially because she's exactly one year younger than me, and I'm not going to say which one that is. I think you can guess. Um, but smack the pony! Oh my God, female humor of that form! I mean, do you remember the swimsuits um, sketch?
1: Uh, I think I've my head. I have to think. Do
0: Do comes out. Okay. Um, do comes out wearing her swimming costume, about to go swimming with the rest of the girls, and they're trying to go. Half of her bush is hanging out the bottom of her bikini, uh, bottom of her swimsuit. And they're trying to be subtle about it. You you've got a pube showing. A (laughs) pube, not pointing out. She's got two halves of afros sticking out the bottom of her swimsuit. It's women taking the piss out of women. It was joyous. Lovely. And there was also the one that... um, her name will come back to me in a second. Oh, I hate myself. I hate myself. But there, there was one about how to order a drink at the bar. And you need inflatable breasts and nipples. Oh, I remember that one. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> oh, God, what's her name? She's a the only reason why I can remember like Actually, her. I, she's and this, Do you know what really annoys me about it? She's the one I've got the crush on. She's yeah. exactly... She's exactly 364 days younger than me. She's a massive campaigner for...
1: She's a massive campaigner for what? It's not Sally Phillips.
0: Sally Phillips. That's it. Oh, my God. Oh, ultimate crush on Sally Phillips. Sorry, Sally, if you ever listen to this podcast, I will self-voluntarily place my restraining order against you. Um, I, I will keep a respectful distance away from you. Would you I, I, would, I am a, I'm an ugly West Country man living on a yacht with a dog. I will keep well away.
1: Would you invent a time machine, commit suicide, and then in the hopes of being scattered as ashes to be then grown into a tree, which will hopefully you- then be made into the toilet paper that will wipe her ass?
0: But <laughs> <laughs> like, can you imagine how painful this is for me? She's exactly near as damn it a year younger than me, right? She's funny, attractive. I'm trying to be a stand-up comic, and I'm a lunatic. No, she is my goddess of a woman. She <laughs> is, you know, Oh, oh, hell, her, Sully, I love you, love you. Sorry, right? I might have to edit most of this out like, of the podcast record.
1: See the, the annoying you thing that? as well is like it makes me so it makes it sound really sexist that I remember the big the blow-up tits and the nipples bit. But <laughs> as, a ga- as a guy, as a fairly ugly guy, you will not know how jarring it is to be served by seven women in front of you that joined the queue after you at the bath.
0: That's something that doesn't happen today. In the queue, in the queue to get a drink. Yeah. I used to hate it when the guy used to wave around a £20 note to get served first. Nobody does that anymore post-Covid because they're not going to shit-wave around their platinum card because everybody's paying for their fucking drinks contactless now. I
1: just wish that my bank account was contactless
0: with my card. So looking back at everything we've spoken about, you know, we've spoken about individual stand-up comics from the past, you know, uh, double acts, comedy ensembles, uh, sitcoms. Looking back at those, which bits are relevant to bring forward to today? Are there are there gaps in the com- current comedy circuit that could be brought forward?
1: I think the the realms, as like I said, the, the, the character thing, I'd love to see the character thing again, and I think like the, the likes of Borat and all that sort of stuff, it'd be nice to see it on stage as more, you know.
0: When you uh, say character, I mean you mean more like being able to drop in occasional characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rather than yeah. being that character for your entire career.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I said, uh, like I said that your man Borat and Ali G, you know, Sasha Barakarin and all that, I think he I think he's done it the best recently. I mean it'd be but nice to see and, is,
0: but he's sat in that character for the entire thing rather than drop yeah, it in and out
1: of yeah. it. Yeah, for, for that that bit, you know what I mean? But
0: yeah.
1: I mean, then you've got to kind of do, like... It'd be nice if, if at live at the Apollo, we did Sasha Baron Cohen doing it, and one, one minute he comes out as Bora, next minute
0: he's coming out as Ali G, next minute he's coming out as someone else.
1: It'd be cool to do that. I
0: thought, uh, the one I'm going to throw into it is uh, Rowan axenson The way that he's developed his career... I, I'm not going to call him a stand-up comedian, but, yeah, he's done... Five strokes, six iterations of Blackadder. Let's forget about the yeah. last two. They're shit. And he's done Bean as well. He's been allowed to reinvent. Okay. Um, the Man in the Moon. I can't remember his name. Uh, um, but he was one of the lead characters in Taxi. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? I um, know loads of our listeners will, and they'll be able to come out with his name. He he used to... Yeah, he used to play this very naive person on stage and he played it in taxi um but he also had this hyper crude character that used to heckle his own performances mm-hmm. he was allowed to reinvent himself all the way through his career and I'm, I'm I'm worried that comedians are are being stuck to I've got to be this person on stage at all times um yeah, so and we're going to talk about in the next episode, is having a comedy character or a comedy performance uh, a worthwhile thing to do? Like uh, James Acaster, Risha uh, Richard Iawadi, um Jack, Jack D, um, and what have you. Um, the pub landlord that is Al Murray and what have you. But I, I'm worried that people see that now and go, that's what comedy is. But we go back to our youth and seeing comedy you were allowed to play with characters. Yeah, Markham and Wise, beautiful example. They could be anything in every team. But, Mm. you know, I think those sort of elements should be brought forward again. Equally, when we were talking about... And I didn't expect me to be talking about him at the end. Brian Connolly.
1: Yeah.
0: Brian Connolly was one of the best ones of it, I think. But the fact that he actually did that educated step of entertaining the kids at the same time as educating uh, entertaining the adults he brought youth and i mean beyond youth culture to the main performance and i can't okay. think of another comedian at the moment do it other than oh i'm going to tell a joke about Peppa pig no no he was actually doing something far more with it those sort of references can come forward
1: yeah i you can base a whole show around entertaining the whole family. And like we were touching on, well you guys were touching on because you were not fucking have me on it. We're saying about clean bits. The
0: There's well, no way you could ever be clean, mate. Let's be honest. That's why you weren't there.
1: Hey, my hygiene is
0: impeccable. <laughs> no 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 that's the hygiene of your cock. What about the rest of you? Yeah it kind of radiates,
1: you know. <laughs> no, it's um I'd like to. I'd like to think that it could be clean. I think. I think the thing with me is that I've I've spent so long, um, just kind of saying what's in my head as opposed to putting a filter on it. Yeah. Know?
0: Um. But this this isn't saying this is the comedian you have to be. This mm. is about. Uh, this is what I love about doing not only project comedy but the podcast as well. It makes us explore other routes into comedy. Is this another source of material that could come in yeah. to feed what I'm currently doing on the stage? And equally, right, I'm going to flip it on its head, what is the stuff we want to avoid from the good old days?
1: I'd like to avoid um, something that in 10 years' time someone comes back to me and says that you should fucking apologise for this again.
0: <laughs> Just like, I don't, I don't, let, let's be honest about it, mate. You and I can't guarantee that. No, no. A joke I'm going to tell today. In ten years' time, you know, when I am uh, sixty-three years of age, I'm going to turn back and look at some of my guys and go, "Do you know what? That's in bad taste, mate."
1: Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, and this is the lesson I think I've learned is when I went go back to what I said at the very beginning: dyers and flyers learn from the best of the best avoid the worst of the worst I don't want to be Jim Davidson if in 10 years time and I see a gag and I can reflect upon it going shit I shouldn't have told that gag I want to do what I was told in my military service fuck up hand up oh
1: yeah and that's
0: the kind of that's the kind of comedian I want to be if in 10 years time I've told a gag today that is no longer culturally relevant 10 years time and I can see why I want to be the first one I don't want somebody telling me off. I want to be the first one to go. Do you know what? I've seen that? See, it's not I'd, relevant I'd, today.
1: I think. I think as well. I'd go. I'd go down the lines like I won't apologise for it, but I would say it is in bad taste. You know, like you know, this the standards now. I think yeah, Ricky Gervais said it the other day in his most recent thing. Like ten years ago, you'd never, you'd never even think that someone who could say that they were a woman had a penis and yet to say yeah. that if you said that joke back then it would be offensive now and to say it now is offensive but then who's to say what's going to happen in the next I 5, 10, or
0: 15 years I think it's another side effect of my PTSD um, my empathy's gone through the roof Yeah, I look at my views now compared to when I joined the service my god I've I've become woke, mate. I've almost become woke. <laughs> um, I, I I, had very firm Christian beliefs in things like homosexuality, um And yet you joined uh, the name. gender. <laughs> yeah, but I now look back on it and I, I go, fucking hell, did I really think those things when I was a teenager and in my 20s? And I'm there going, I, I, I'm appalled by some of the attitudes I had in my younger life. Because now I've been, this is one of the joys I, it's one of my joys about being on the comedy circuit is you meet every walk of life, every, I thought I met every walk, walk of life in the military. Hell no, I am meeting all the <laughs> subgenres on the comedy circuit and I'm fucking loving every minute of it. On the, although I'm going to point out to uh, two particular comedians out there that I'm going to be gigging with soon, and I know listen to this podcast, No, I'm never going to sleep with you, even for a fucking experiment. Um, it's it, it's a joy to actually see and be challenged by things that I don't consider normal.
1: I love how you give out about the fact that you've never had a ride
0: in ages, and then you turn
1: around saying to someone, "No, I'm not going to." <laughs> Oh, I, and then you're saying about how your empathy's through the roof. You just made them feel like
0: shit. Oh no, no, no! I've said it to their faces as well. Don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, you're a, making
1: it, them it,
0: feel it, like it, shit. Don't be. Don't no, be, don't no, be no I'm not. No, I'm not. It, I'm they were. No, no, I not made them feel like shit. They were offering me pity fucks, and that's the only thing I get offered anymore.
1: You might be fucking what? <laughs>
0: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's episode has been brought to you by the Royal Navy and the British Army with an Irishman. You can see which way this is going. We don't have any RAF in the room tonight. That's why we're going down this track.
1: Hey, if you can get your mickey away, go and get him.
0: So clearly, even after more than an hour's worth of discussion, we don't know what's worthwhile bringing from the past or leaving back there. But actually, there is some stuff back there that, you know... We could revisit, but then again, this is about you, not us. You're supposed to be the ones trying to get into comedy. We're trying to explore with it. So why don't you tell us? Um, Tweet us at Project Comedy and even on Reddit. Uh, Gabe, what's the tag for Reddit?
1: Uh, Slash Project Comedy, all one word. Anyone who's not cool doesn't, doesn't get it.
0: Uh, so he's the <laughs> cool young kid. I'm the very old man that still uses Facebook and Twitter. Um, please talk to us. Tell us what you think could be taken from the past, introduced to the future, or even where um, we should be going in the future and give us new ideas for new podcasts. Uh, Gabe, absolute delight, as always, to chat with you. Yes, it was. <laughs> Love you too, Gabe. <laughs> 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 and here is the Army Navy loving that is just this two man podcast episode tonight. We may be insulted on the next podcast because the RAF may turn up. Uh, yeah, Jamie is having his geek night tonight and he's played geek ahead of comedy. So we'll close off this podcast the same way as we always do give you some social links and tell you how to follow us. If you want to see what we're actually like on stage, please have a look at our YouTube channel. Search for Project Comedy, veterans doing stand-up, and look for our black and white logo that's exactly the same as the one we use for this podcast. You can also now follow us on Twitter. We can be found at Proj Comedy. That's at P-R-O-J Comedy. And me, Jay Saunders, I can be found on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter if you look for Comic J Saunders. That's all one word with the letter J in the middle. Comic J Saunders. Thanks again to everyone that's taken part in this episode. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Project Comedy Podcast. Please support our veterans as they continue their comedy journeys. To find out more, including gigs our veterans are doing, please search for the Project Comedy group on Facebook, where you also find links to Project Recce, the veterans' charity that makes Project Comedy possible.